All right. So uh, today's question is an interesting one. Um, as, uh, as you guys all know, I enjoy very much the idea uh, or sort of analyzing halacha from the perspective of definitions. And uh, very often the uh, issues which we think are really a machlokas having to do with halachic principles and whatnot are in reality not arguments about what the halacha is, but the arguments which relate to what is going to be the relevant or the more precise definition as far as uh, uh, the halacha issues, issues are concerned. So I uh, came across a, a great one, which uh, you know, I think uh, everybody will, uh, will enjoy. So uh, as I told you guys uh, last week or the week before, so uh, Nicole in the morning, so we're doing uh, Evan Ezer. So which relates uh, to obligations between husband and wife, and very many of those obligations are financial in, in nature. So what we're going to explore over here is, as you see, the, uh, the title says uh, about what happens if a wife has a, a special diet, which requires a certain type of food, and let's just assume for argument's sake that that food is like super expensive. So we're going to see a, uh, an interesting debate about what are the, uh, what's the halachic, um, uh, how to categorize that halachically. If a person needs to eat a special diet, so is that considered to be something which is medicinal in, uh, in nature? Or is that considered to be a regular like food obligation? But before we get to that, uh, that debate and those definitions, so let's, uh, let's begin with a little bit of uh, a background. Those of you who learned uh, Ksuvis or will learn Ksuvis, so then this will be, uh, be helpful for you. So we begin with a Mishnah over here in Ksuvis. So it says, and we really want this for this first line, it says, So three of the obligations, there's actually 10 altogether, but three of the obligations that a man has to his wife is, number one is Mazonoseha. So he has to provide it with food. We're going to see a somewhat broader definition of food. But food, ubipirkona, is, Baruch Hashem, it's not as relevant nowadays as it was apparently in the time of Chazal, but a husband is obligated uh, to redeem his wife in the event that she is kidnapped. So that's an obligation which he is going to have to cover. That's pirkona. And kvurasa, in the event that she passes away, so he can't say that, uh, listen, she could use her own money to go ahead and bury herself. Husband has an obligation to pay for his wife's uh, uh, burial. At some point, we may discuss this issue. It's actually an interesting thing about what happens in the event that, let's say, the, uh, the woman is from a different country and she wishes to be buried, let's say, by her parents. So if the husband were to go ahead and bury her locally, it'll cost X amount. In the event that he buries her where she, wa- where she wanted to be buried in her family plot, which is on the other side of the world, it will cost 10x. So what's going to be the husband's obligation in that case? Does he bury her? Does he say, listen, I'm, willing, I'm, I'm perfectly content burying her locally, and I'm only paying x? Or does the family or does somebody have the right to say, listen, your obligation is to bury her. Her wishes are to be buried in Eretz Yisrael or to be buried elsewhere, and therefore you have to go ahead and cover that cost. But that's not tonight's discussion. Now, source number two tells us another obligation of the husband, which is laksa. Laksa means in the event that a woman becomes ill, she becomes sick. So chayv lirafosa. 
So the husband is obligated to go ahead and pay her medical costs. So whatever the uh, the medical treatments are, uh, there's certain parameters of that, which is not going to be so important tonight, but the husband is obligated to go ahead and pay for her medical treatment. But let's say uh, they sit down with the doctor. The doctor says, listen, you have got the serious condition and you're going to need a lot of treatment. And the treatment happens to be very specialized and very expensive. And all that the husband is thinking about in his head is he just keeps hearing cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. And this is something which is overwhelming to him. He says, you know what? Amar, in the event that he says, I can't uh, handle all this. It'll put me uh, under. Hare gita uksuvasa. He says, listen, we're going to get divorced. I'm going to pay you out the amount that I owe you for the ksuva, the 200 zoos and whatnot. And once I go ahead and I pay that amount, you know what? And with the money that I pay her for Aksuva, she could go and pay her own medical bills, Rashai. Rashai means that he has the right to go ahead and do so. Once again, this has nothing at all to do with whether he is a dirty, rotten scoundrel, which indeed he would be. It has nothing at all to do with, uh, with that, but it happens, it, it, it is within his rights to go ahead and, and do that. Okay, but for our purpose right now, what we need to know is there's two obligations. So one, we learned in source number one, Mizonos, husband has an obligation to uh, buy food for his wife. And source number two tells us that he has to pay her medical costs. Okay. Now, source number three, again, just to give us some background. I'm Ravuna Marav. Ravuna, the name of Rav, says, very famous idea, which is more relevant 21st century than it was in the first century, I guess. And that is, Yechol Isha Loma Labayla. So a woman could go ahead and say to her husband, she could say, I should actually uh, uh, pause for a moment, give you uh, just a brief uh, background. So uh, we mentioned in source number one that the husband has an obligation to provide his wife with, uh, with Mizonos with food. Chazal understood that in the event that he's providing her with food and she's making uh, half a million dollars a year, so he may become resentful of that, that she's making a fortune of money. And he is, uh, you know, he is making, uh, you know, $60,000 a year. And all of her money goes into an account somewhere on, uh, you know, offshore on some, uh, you know, tax-free place. And meanwhile, half of his salary is going towards her, towards her food. And he may become resentful. So Chazal said that in order to uh, sort of balance things out, uh, in the event that a woman is uh, earning money, so the, the money that's earned goes into the family account, gets deposited, let's say, into his account. And now he has to go ahead and he has to pay her bills. But the case that we described where the woman is making half a million dollars and he's making uh, $50,000, so she's making 10 times his salary. So if Huna, in the name of Rav, says here in source three, the woman can say to her husband, you know what? I don't need your $50,000 worth of Mizonos. And I'm not working for you. I'm keeping my salary for myself and I won't take your Mizonos. So she has the right to do so. Why does she have the right to do so? So the Gemara explains, Kasavar, because of Huna, in the name of Rav, is of the opinion, that Kita Rabbanon, when Rabbanon went ahead and made this enactment, she gives the husband her salary, he provides her with weekly mezonos. So what's the pri- what was the primary thrust behind that enactment? What was their main concern? Mezonayikr. They want, Chazal wanted to make sure that she would be taken care of, that she would have food on a regular basis and doesn't have to work. If it turns out she's not making much money, he still has to provide her with Mizonos. So therefore, but the primary focus of Chazal's enactment was the Mizonos. 
and therefore umaisiadeha mishum eva. And as we said, once he's providing her with mizonos, once he's providing her with food, so he can become resentful in the event that all of her salary is going into her retirement account, and all of his money is going towards weekly expenses, and he's got nothing in his retirement account. And therefore, since the primary focus of this enactment, of this exchange, is her interest, so if she chooses, if she says to Chazal, I very much appreciate the fact that you were looking out for my best interests, but in my individual circumstance, I'm better off keeping my half a million dollars to myself, and I won't take Mizonus for you, I'll buy my own lunch, I'll call Uber Eats on my own, and I'll charge it on my own account. So Harashus Biyara, she has the right to go ahead and do so. Okay, so Mizonos, as we said, the primary thrust of the, of the enactment is for her benefit, and she always has the option, since it was constructed for her benefit, if she decides that it doesn't serve her interest to give uh, her husband her salary, and for him to provide her with Mizonos, she has the right to go ahead and do so. Okay. Now, here, so in Shulchan Aruch and C, uh, in C4, and uh, source four, so here we now have how Shulchan Aruch Paskins is. The first part of Shulchan Aruch, which is the Mechabra over here, this line, so that's essentially what we read in source three, so we don't have to go ahead and read that again. But now the Ramah brings down an interesting Machlokas Rishonim regarding this Halacha. So the Ramah says, Haga, Yeshom, some people say, the whole Isha Omeris, if a woman says to her husband, you know what, I'm going to exercise my option, any nizonis ve'eni oseh, I am not going to take Mizonos from you anymore. You don't have to pay for my food. And whatever earnings I have, I'm going to keep for myself. Then what happens is the net result of that is Nisbat Lahatakana. So the enactment that there's going to be this exchange, that now becomes nullified, that becomes suspended. And here's the main part of this uh, first opinion. And from that point on, she can't change her mind. If she gets fired next week and she loses her job, and now she's earning zero income, she can't come back to her husband and say, you know what, I actually have second thoughts about this. I'll take your Mazonas, whatever money I eventually earn from my unemployment check, I'll give that to you. But I want, uh, I want you to now uh, continue or restart paying my Mazonas. So his first opinion says that once the wife decides she is going to opt out of this, uh, of this enactment, so there's no restoring it. I mean, he could always do it if they want, but he can't be, uh, he can't be forced to go ahead and restore that, uh, uh, that, uh, that, that uh, um, exchange in, in place. Once she gives it up, she gives it up forever. It's like deleting a file from Google. This will delete it forever. Are you sure you want to go ahead and do so? And you have to go ahead and you have to confirm two or three times to make sure that there's full, uh, full knowledge and consent. But once she says yes, it's all over. Then, some people disagree. And, uh, sorry, and some disagree. And they say that, no, she could, as we're going to see, on a weekly basis or something, she could opt in and she could opt out and she could do whatever she wants because since ultimately Chazal's focus was on her best interest, so uh, depending on the day or the time of day, she could opt in and she could opt out of these things. Now, here's where I told you we're going to get a broader definition of Mizonos. Mizonos, anytime the woman ops out of Mizonos, she's not going to take food, so he also does not have to provide her with clothing. 
So if she decides she's buying her own food, that means she's also buying her own clothing. Because clothing is also considered to be part of mezonos. So translating mezonos, even though like in, in benching, we, mazon means food, mazon in this regard is really going to be standard support. And that support is going to include both food as well as clothing. Okay. What is that, Zahri? Sorry. Uh, does that add more like, you know, more, you know, a house, a roof over her head or? That's a different obligation, but yeah. Assuming he has a house. So he has to, yeah, he has to give her uh, a place. He has to share the house with her. We're saying the zonos are needs. Um, it's not going to be all of the needs, but the food and clothing we know. Okay. Excuse me, Rabbi Sheffel, you said that Chazal was looking out for the woman, but by saying if she lost her job and she now needs him to provide those mizonos and her clothing, that doesn't sound like he's uh, like they're looking out for the woman because in a situation like that, um, she would need to have it at that point. Right. So that's why she has to be, uh, they, they set it up for the, for the benefit of the woman. Uh, according to that first opinion, once she opts out, that's why you have to get the confirmation three, four times, but once she opts out, so she, she, she should be um, apprised of the fact that, uh, that she can't opt back in. So she'll have to weigh out what's the likelihood of, does she actually want to take that, uh, that chance or does she not? But okay, so she's taken it. She took the chance and then it turned out that she lost her job. So now she should go without food and without clothing because... She lost her job. Um, she'll have to figure out a way to get food and clothing. <laughs> she'll, right. go to, she'll have to go to the Gemach or something. Okay, it just doesn't sound... Yeah, so the, the, all, all of these, we, we have to keep reminding ourselves in the, in the kolos, we learn these halachas, that um, the, the example that I gave this, this week, uh, or earlier in the week, was that the obligations which are stated here are like minimum bare bones obligation, having nothing to do with the, a meaningful relationship. So the example I gave was that the, uh, a, a chassan, the uh, second Shabbos, first Shabbos is Shabbos Shabbos. So the first Shabbos that he and his kala are alone for Shabbos, he walks in Arab Shabbos with a beautiful bouquet of flowers, and she's so touched as she sees him walking with the flowers, and he says, here, my dear, my Rebbe said I should give these to you. So <laughs> technically, technically, he gave her flowers. He did what his Rebbe told him to do. But by framing it in that way here, because my Rebbe told me to, that just takes all of the meaning out of it. So the hope is that there's a real meaningful relationship between the two, and nobody has to start nitpicking about what is the obligation, what's not the obligation, and stuff of that sort. But uh, uh, as we all know from life experience, every once in a while you get a guy who's a yatz, or a girl who's a yatz. You get somebody who's a yatz. And sometimes the yatz is going to say, "I I can't do anything more than what my obligations are. For whatever reason, whatever their uh, their thinking is, their lack of probably lack of thinking is, but uh, but what can a person be forced to do? It, this could this could arise. I, I mean, a, a scenario where this could arise is if a couple is uh, in the process of getting divorced. So if they're in the process of getting divorced, just because they're planning to get divorced doesn't absolve the husband yet of his financial responsibilities. But he's not going to want to go above and beyond what his responsibilities are because. They're in the process of ending this, uh, you know, whatever point uh, they finish negotiating all of the, their terms. So such a fellow may say, listen, 
Uh, once you opted out of this, I, I, I feel bad for you that, uh, you know, as a human being that you don't have any money for, uh, for food and clothing, but you opted out and uh, I'm not responsible to pay anymore. So you're, you're on your own. So, it, uh, you know, sadly, these, uh, these things happen. In that case, I mean, if she opted out, they were in a good relationship. She lost her job. Now she's back. And, yeah. he, and 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 they and he started providing it again. Is that a re? Is that a re? A re? I don't know what the right word is. A recontract. If if he agrees to do it, if he if he took it upon himself to do it, you know his obligation is gone. But but then he, you know, by she didn't go out for a job now because he said, okay, I'm going to provide. I'm, I'm a loving husband. I'm going to provide. And so, you know. Uh-huh. Something that yes, goes wrong. I mean, maybe that's a new contract, right? So, I, so I, I don't know, you know, how binding that would be at that point. Whether that re, uh, it reinvokes the original obligation. The original obligation is the tnai based in, even if it's not written into the ksuva. It's something which is part of the uh, the uh, the marriage contract. When he says mukudeshasli kedas Moshe Yisrael, so he doesn't specify that he's providing mezonos, but that's understood mamela. Right, right. So that's what I'm saying. Since there's no contract there, if he then later, if, if she opts out and then he later takes it upon himself, I'm back in. So then maybe it's it's the yes. an oral contract. Yeah, it, 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 well, there could be an oral contract, but then he may be able to qualify that. Uh-huh. Rabbi Shaffel, yes. doesn't this get to what the meaning of a chazaka is? In, um, yes, in some ways, yes. Um, you know, but they, but it, it, it's hard to establish a chazaka in terms of chazaka usually relates to to ownership or you know a continued obligation to uh, to do so. Um, whether or not supporting somebody financially, you know, uh, creates a, a chazaka of that which creates an ongoing obligation. So that's uh, that I'm not sure. That I'm not sure. I mean, chazal definitely talk about you know somebody committing to support stepchildren. You know the the number that Chazal always give is for five years or something like that, and then once those five years are up, so then but there he was explicit he wanted it to be for five years, but once that time is up, so then he doesn't have a you know a continuing uh, obligation to uh, to do so, but maybe if he doesn't specify a time frame, so then it's understood that it, uh, maybe like Sachi is saying that it's uh, that it's going on forever. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so here in source five. So here you have an explanation of the machlokas. So we have a disagreement now. The Ramah brings down a disagreement about whether or not, if a woman opts out, is she done? Does she forego those rights forever? Or she could go on and off as she, uh, you know, as she pleases. So here the Beis Shmuel says, says, Atam mavur baran. So the reason it is explained to the Ran, It's not fair uh, in terms of you know, like budgeting or whatever, that she could go ahead and she could opt in and she could opt out and she could, uh, you know, just change her mind, you know, depending on, the, you know, whether it's 80 degrees out or 60 degrees out. You know, it was a nice out, it was a nice day the other day, so I'll go, I'll go to work. Now it's cold and rainy out. I'm not interested in going out to work today. You'll support me today. When she finds work to do, let's say she's, uh, you know, she, uh, you know, has her own business. So when she has customers who come to her, she'll say, Listen, I don't want your Mizonos because I have a big uh, project that I'm working on and I'm going to make a lot of money. And then when she finishes that project and she goes two, three months without anything on her agenda, 
And then when she can't find work, she'll say, okay, this week I would like to go ahead and I would like to have uh, Mizonos. So in a certain sense, it's not fair to the husband that she would have the ability to opt in and opt out on a regular basis. And therefore, the Ran is of the opinion that once she opts out, she's out. Then, explains the Beishmul, the Yeshchokin who das Rabbeinu Yeruchim, the Yeshchokim, the dissenting opinion, which says she can go in and out as she wishes, that is the opinion of Rabbeinu Yeruchim, the cost of Kevin de Kaimla Mizone Iker, since it's sort of like what you were saying, Charlene, that once Chaza went ahead and enacted that the main focus of this enactment is her interest, that she should be provided for, so it makes sense that in all situations, she always has the upper hand. She always has decision-making power in this, in, in, in this aspect of the relationship. Because, and then he gives various reasons why this is so, uh, which are not, uh, not, not so important. But he says in the summary, he says, Nimtza at the very end, says, Laharan, any Ocholomar, Zman Katsuv, any Esel Atzmi. According to the Ran, she cannot say, Listen, uh, this is the off season, and therefore for the off season, I'm going to go ahead and I'll take your Mazonos because there's no work that is going on, anyways. But according to Rabbeinu Yerucham, she could go ahead and she could do, she could do so. Let's say she has a, a snowplow business. So snowplow business in Chicago during the wintertime, so it can be a pretty lucrative business. In the summertime, it's unlikely that she'll have much, uh, much business. As bad as the weather gets, it's rare that at this point it's going to start to, uh, to snow. So during the summer and wintertime, she says, listen, I'm going to keep all my money for myself and uh, I'll pay for my own Mazonos. And then come summertime, she says, you know what, I'm, I'll take your mazonas and I'm off. So there will be a machlogus between the Ran and Rabbeinu Yerucham, whether that is love. Okay, give up. Now, let's get ourselves closer to, uh, to the Shiloh at hand. So now there's another Gemara in Ksuvas. So this is the quote from the, from the Mishnah, Laksa Chayber Fuasa. So in the event that she becomes ill, so the husband has to go ahead and provide for her medical care. So what does this mean? So now here we have, uh, again, just exploring the extent of this halacha, the parameters of halacha. Tanar Banan, so the Brisa teaches, Almana nizonis yisomi. So let's say you have a woman who's widowed. So the husband went ahead and died. So we know part of the ksuva, part of the, uh, the, the terms of the ksuva is that even after the husband has died, he couldn't handle all the financial stress. So even after the husband went ahead and he died, so uh, the Yisomim, the heirs of his estate, so they're obligated to continue to support her. As long as she remains widowed, meaning she's not dating to get remarried, so they have an obligation to go ahead and support her. So that's why it says, Almana, a widow, Mizonas Menichse Yisomim, the property which the Yisomim, the orphans inherited, she's financially supported from that. Utsricha Rafua. And in the event that she needs some medicine, hareki mezonos. So medicine is considered to be part of the mezonos obligation, which is going to be paid for out of the deceased hus- her deceased husband's estate. Now, Shem Gamliel says, wait a minute over here. There's medical costs, there's medical costs, there's co-pays, and then there's pretty expensive treatment, those things which are not covered. So Shem Gamliel says, nisrape so in the event that you have uh, a, a medical uh, need, which is uh, fixed, so you have, uh, you know, she has a strep throat, and they go ahead and they, uh, you know, uh, a 10-day course of antibiotics. 
So we know from the outset exactly how much that's going to cost. So a, 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 a course of treatment, which has a fixed, that's the kitzvah, it has a fixed value to it, so then she, that, that cost is going to be paid for out of, the, out of her ksuva. She'ela kitzvah, so me, meaning that that's going to be deducted, eventually she's going to get paid her 200 zoos, which is the value of the ksuva. So in the event that she needs to go ahead and buy uh, um, uh, uh, a 10-day course of antibiotics, that gets deducted from her ksuva amount. So she pays for that. But she'ela kitzvah, so in the event that it's an, uh, it's an, uh, it's an ongoing uh, treatment, she has a, a, uh, a chronic condition, which is going to require care for the rest of her life. So something which she's going to need the rest of her life, that gets categorized as mesonos. So what Rabshin Gamaliel is highlighting over here is, is that the Yisomim, the heirs of the deceased husband's estate, they only have to pay mesonos, they don't have to pay for refuah. So something which is just regular refuah, 10-day course of, of medication, and then she's done. So that's not considered to be mizonos, And therefore, that's going to be deducted out of her ksuva. But something which is a chronic condition, and she's going to require this for the rest of her life, let's say she's diabetic. So she's going to be on insulin for the rest of her life. So for her, insulin is mizonos. That's considered to be food because she can't, she can't live without, without it. Now the Gemara tells a fascinating story, and it's, it's quoted in all sorts of different contexts, and therefore I thought it's worthwhile to be able to see it inside. So the Gemara relates the following story. So Yochanan's relatives, you'll see why that's going to be important, but Yochanan's relatives had a stepmother, and she had a chronic condition, which required medication on a daily basis. So, and this is costing them a fortune because we just said, according to Shimon Gamliel, so a treatment of a chronic condition is mizonos, and therefore they're going to have to pay for her expensive medication, and she's taking it every day. So they come to uh, also the comedy of Yochan, yeah, they came before Yochanan, and they said, "What are we supposed to do? This is going to, this is going to, the, the whole Yerusha is going to be lost as we go ahead and we pay for this expensive." Uh, uh, medical treatment, which is going to go on for the rest of her life. Is there anything that we could do? And at which point, Amr Luhu, Rabbi Yochanan said to them, Izilu kotsala midi lerofe. He says, yeah, go ahead and call her doc- doctor. This is before HIPAA. So go ahead and call her doctor and say to the doctor, listen, she's 48 right now. Her life expectancy, let's say, is another 40 years. Let's go ahead and calculate how much her treatment is going to be. How much will you take today to go ahead and provide her with medical treatment for the remainder of her life, like an insurance policy. So what could we pay you today to go ahead and no matter what happens, you're going to cover her medical treatment forever. In other words, let's take it from an unknown amount of money and let's go ahead and give it a fixed value. And that way, once it's a fixed value, then it becomes similar to the 10-day treatment of antibiotics. So now there's a fixed value that gets deducted from her own suva. So then, and that's the advice that he gave his relatives, and seemingly they followed through. And they went ahead and they said to the doctor, how much, give us a number, how much it'll cost to treat her for the rest of her life. The doctor gave that number. They said, okay, this is now, you have to pay for it. It's coming out of your suva. It's not coming out of our pocket. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Then Rabbi Yochanan says, probably not to the relatives, he says, asinu We've gone ahead and we've behaved 
like lawyers. Remember, Chazal, that was the worst uh, insult to be a, to be a lawyer. <laughs> Just kidding. So Chazal say that, to go ahead, Rabbi Yochanan said that for me, as a great rabbinic leader, to start advising people how to, in a sense, manipulate the system for their financial gain at the expense of somebody else's financial uh, standing, Rabbi Yochanan regretted having done that because we've now, tr- we've now uh, um, behaved like uh, advisors, rather than our lawyers, rather than impartial Dayanin, and he regretted having done so. So now the Gemara says, well, that's interesting, because Rabbi Yochanan obviously thought about this in some regard before he initially gave the advice, so meikara maisavar ulbasof maisavar. So where it says, why did Rabbi Yochanan initially think to give that advice? He didn't just do it without thinking. He obviously thought it through. So why did he initially think that it was appropriate to give that advice? And then what changed in his mind that he then regretted it? So the Gemara tells us that Mekara Savar, initially he thought, oh, should the owl should not be there. He said, initially what he thought was, the Pasuk says, Umi that you cannot go ahead and close your eyes from flesh and blood. So I said, my relatives came to me for advice. How could I not give good advice to my relatives? Whether it's a, uh, you know, a brother, a brother-in-law, a niece, a nephew, whatever it is. But these relatives came to me and they wanted advice. And one has to be very attentive to the needs of family members. So I said, you know what? I should go ahead, even though it may not be ideal in most circumstances, to go ahead and advise people how to handle their finances when it's going to be at somebody else's expense. If it's a relative, so you're allowed to do so. And then, so if that's what his initial thinking was, why did he change his mind? He didn't decide that he was wrong about that svara, but rather, he says, in the end, he decided, although it's true, the principle of is a true principle that one has to be especially careful and attentive with his relatives. But as an Adam Chashev, as a Gadol Hador, I can't even I can't be perceived as taking sides, even to the uh, uh, to the benefit of my relatives. And that's why, in the end, he regretted having done so because he felt bad that uh, that he should have been more impartial, being that he is an Adam Chashev. But here is this idea, one second, Zaki, here's this idea that Rafua is something that sometimes could straddle different worlds. If it's a fixed amount, then it's purely Rafua. And then in the case of the Almana, that's going to be deducted from Rksuva. If it's ongoing treatment, which he needs, then it gets categorized, then that medicine gets categorized as Mizonos, as like regular food and sustenance. And then that comes out of the Yisomim's estate, what they inher- inherited, and that doesn't get deducted from her ksuva. So here we're suddenly now shown this idea that medicine could take on different, uh, different halachic definitions. It could be put into different categories depending on what the circumstances are. Yeah, Tzachi, what's up? Uh, I, I was just going to make a comment about, but I, I didn't like, it. It's, it's not germane to the, the topic, but I mean, what, what Rabbi Yochanan's doing there is he's he's blown it out of the water because you could always go to a doctor and say you know for any chronic condition and just or and just say how much would it cost. I mean his his exception is applicable everywhere. Oh, so so good. So let, let's see how this is codified now. Thank you for that segue. Beautiful. So source seven. So I didn't like it. So. What? I didn't want to use it because I thought it was not really applicable. But okay. Yeah. No, excellent. 
So here, Evan uh, Ezra Simon Ayantes. So this simon, it's got three sifim in the in the simon, but this is a simon having to do with the husband's obligation to provide medical treatment for his wife. So here we say, Rufuasa, oh my, Rufuasa Ketzad. So what exactly, how does he fulfill his obligation of uh, providing treatment? Luxa, in the event that she becomes ill, Chayv Laraposa. So this is where the husband is still alive. So when the husband is still alive, he must pay for the medical treatment of his wife, and this is going to be true whether or not it's a fixed course of treatment, 10-day 10-day course of antibiotics, or if it's going to be insulin for the rest of her life. If the husband is alive, he's got to take care of that either way. No matter what, that's the refua obligation. And since the husband does have an obligation of refua, so he's got to pay for that no matter what. He's going to be stuck for paying for it either way. That discussion, which we just had in source six about how sometimes it can be categorized differently, that is going to be alval almenaso But in the event that the husband died and now is an almana, she is seeking to be taken care of from her deceased husband's estate. So the dead husband doesn't have to pay for refua. He doesn't have to pay for her medication. In that case, he only has to pay for her mizonos. So that's where you're going to have that distinction about whether it's a fixed amount or not. So the, 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 the estate does not have to pay for a thing, unless it is a type of medication or a type of treatment which has no end to it, insulin, because she's diabetic. Because once it's something which is an ongoing need, which she has, it's going to be daily, it's going to be weekly. You know, she could be on um, uh, dialysis. You know, for the foreseeable future, she's going to be on dialysis. I don't know how much, you know, if you pay for dialysis out of pocket, how much that'll cost you. I imagine it'll be a lot. But something like that, so that's something which, that's just, that's how she's going to survive. And if she needs dialysis for the remainder of her life, so that is considered to be mizonos as an almana. That gets categorized as mizonos, and she uh, and the the estate is going to have to go ahead and pay for all of that. Okay, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what was the conclusion earlier, or was there a conclusion earlier on how permanently she can opt out of mizonos? Uh, we we left that as a debate in the Rama. Uh, well, that seems important here because if she opted out of Mazonos and uh, Rufua is part of Mazonos, right. it could possibly be that she could opt out of her future medical needs. Excellent. Very good. Very good. You're, you're absolutely, absolutely correct. So we're, 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 that's, that's where we're getting towards uh, as, we, as, we, as we move on. Thank you very much for that, but that's 100% right. That's going to be part of the significance of this. So now... Um, so now, Siv Gimel is Imrahaba. So right, right now, it seems like whether she needs 10 days of antibiotics, whether she needs uh, ongoing dialysis or insulin, so the husband has to pay no matter what. But if you remember, we had back in wherever it was, uh, I think source, source two, yeah. So now, here in, 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 uh, in the Siv Gimel over here, source seven, it says, if the husband realizes that this is not going to go away, this treatment or this uh, medical care is not going away. So the husband is going to be able to say to her, says, listen, here is your ksuva money. I just put it into an escrow account. It's sitting there waiting for you. And therefore, you now have a choice. 
you could go ahead and you could use that ksuva money, which is in the escrow account, and pay for your medical care out of that, and will stay married. Oh, or he could go ahead, again, he's playing hardball, but he says, or yatzball, oh, and if she doesn't want that option, so he could go ahead and say, okay, then my other option is, is I'll divorce you, and then I'll just pay you the ksuva, and then I don't have an obligation anyways. So it's your choice. Either you'll pay for it and we'll be married, or you'll pay for it and we won't be married. So the Ain Roy Lasos came, but as we said at the outset, it's not appropriate for anybody to do this. Maybe because this is lacking fundamentals in Derek Eretz. But again, not everybody feels compelled, sadly, not everybody feels compelled to be bound by uh, parameters of Derek Eretz. And if some guy wants to be a, a real yutz about it, so he could go ahead and he could sort of make this ultimatum to his wife and, uh, and uh, tell her that those are her, uh, those are her options. Okay, give up. Now, uh, now we get to, uh, closer to our Shiloh over here. So here, so Simon Ayin Ches in source eight over here. So this is the obligation that the, we mentioned in the Mishnah that in the event that the wife gets uh, um, kidnapped, so the husband has an obligation to go ahead and redeem her from captivity. So now, says the Pisgah Tshuva uh, regarding this halacha. Where go? He says, I am besefer base mayor shikasaf. So if you look in the base mayor, he writes, uh, he says. I forget what the pay pay is. Uh, something deman. Um, deman. It's in Germany over there. One of the big cities there. Okay. Um, where he says in the, 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 the rabbis in Germany. So when is the husband obligated to go ahead and redeem his wife in, in the event that she is kidnapped? That's only if they kidnapped her stump. Aval, but let's say she was kidnapped because she was caught shoplifting. So she was stealing stuff. As a result of her own behavior, they went ahead and said, listen, we're not letting you go till they ransom you because who knows how much you've stolen from us all this time. Then the base mayor says, so the husband doesn't have to go ahead and redeem her if she got herself arrested. Like she, she goes ahead and she's caught stealing in the store and gets thrown in jail. So that's the so the base mayor said so the sorry not the base mayor the, these rabbis said the husband's obligated to go ahead and uh, and bail her out she shouldn't have been stealing if she went ahead and in a sense dug her own grave or dug her own captivity then she could go ahead and she could get herself out the husband's obligation is only when through no fault of her own she was kidnapped then says the pischeshuva vehuzal cholik and the base mayor disagrees. Even if she was kidnapped because of her own doing, her own grama, her own cause, because she was stealing or whatever, he still has an obligation. His obligation is to redeem her from captivity no matter what. And even if it's her fault, he has to go ahead and do so. Now here we get to the thing. Similar thing is going to be by her health care. Let's say, as a result of her bad eating habits, she got sick. So her husband has been telling her, you got to stop eating that, uh, that red meat. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. You got to stay off of the sugar. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. And she ignored him. And she just, all she had was red meat and sugar for 10 years straight. That's all that, that's all that she ate. So she's now, she's uh, diabetic with arteries that are about 1% uh, open. 
So all of a sudden they go to the doctor, the doctor says, well, this is going to cost a lot of money to go ahead and provide this, uh, this treatment with this condition. What have you been eating the past year? Uh, you know, straight cow, cow and cane sugar. And uh, so, so the husband's saying, listen, you brought this upon yourself. I told you not to eat so, uh, so poorly. And you brought it on yourself, says the base mayor. Still, he's obligated to provide the refuah. So the base mayor says that these obligations of the husband, to go ahead and redeem her from captivity or to pay her medical costs, they apply in all circumstances, regardless of whether it happened completely, you know, it's a genetic thing and that's why she's suffering from this medical condition or whether or not it's because of bad eating habits or bad smoking habits or bad drinking habits or bad drug habits, doesn't make a difference. If she needs medical care, he's on the hook for, uh, for that medical care. Okay, give up. Not for her as far as where we're holding. Okay, so now the, uh, the Tzitz Eliezer said, reports the following. He's really going off of the Nishma Savram. The Nishma Savram is the, uh, um, I think he's still alive, but he's, uh, I don't know if he's so, he's so well anymore, but he is one of the, uh, the leading writers of medical ethics. He was a doctor, I think, in Shari Tzedek, in, in Yerushalayim, and he had access. So besides being a, uh, a very accomplished uh, doctor, so he is an outstanding Tamar Chacham, and he had access to all of the gedolim of, uh, you know, of his time uh, in their prime. So he has stuff from Rav Yashiv, Rav Shomo Zalman, uh, Rav Avad Yosef, the Tzitz Eliezer. He was the one who was giving uh, you know, the medical background to all of the Yushalayim poskim whenever they had medical uh, shilas. So he says, Mevi b'shem yedidi hagon Rav Shomo Zalman so Nishma Savram says that he heard from Rosh Hashanah that he raised the following point. Let's say that the uh, uh, man's wife is ill. And the doctor says, listen, he's not even talking about where she developed the condition from, but he says, listen, your wife now needs a specialized diet. And it's not just a specialized diet where you're going to avoid certain foods. She needs to eat certain foods, and they're very expensive. So now the question is, says, So even though her eating is to treat a medical condition, and this is where the, the, the idea of the definitions comes up. So if she needs a special diet because of a medical condition that she has, is that categorized as mizonos, food? because it is food, you get it in the food aisle, or is this considered to be a medical treatment because she's on a special diet because of her medical condition? And what's going to be the nafkamina? The nafkamina is going to be, like we talked about, what's going to happen, let's say, she's an almana. So if she's an almana and the yisomim only have to pay for mazonos, and they may not have to pay if it's for refua. So if this expensive food is now she has a prescription and you're going to go ahead and you're going to categorize it as, uh, as refua, so then the assembly will say, listen, we're not obligated to provide you with medical treatment. Our obligation is only to provide you with mizonos. We don't have to go ahead and provide you with, uh, with refua, and therefore you're on your own. But let's say we, we know that there's a certain amount of time that she's going to be on it. But if you go ahead and say, listen, being that you're going to get this in jewel rather than asco, that means it's a food. And since it's in, when you look on your bill, it's going to be in the food section rather than in the pharmacy section. Therefore, it's a Mizonos obligation. And you have to go ahead and you, you do have to pay for it because we're going to treat this special diet as a Mizonos category 
uh, sorry, as a refua, as a medication category, rather than a food category. So here, so Shomel Zaman says, just on his own, he says, um, he says, she'efshar, it's going to be a key term from the next thing we read. He says, efshar, it's possible that this is going to be called mizonos. A special diet to treat a medical condition, or Shomel Zaman says, it makes sense to me that it would fall into mizonos, but he doesn't have any proof to it whatsoever. That's of Shomel Zaman comes along the Tzitz Eliezer, and he says, you know what? I found a proof to Shomo Zalman's maybe. So Shomo Zalman said, maybe this is so. I think it may be so. Tzitz Eliezer said, I found a clear proof that Shomo Zalman's maybe is an actually. That actually is the halacha. Where do we see that? Medivre tshuva sabach. Simen vav. So what does the Bach discuss? Shenisha Oros Ruven Shishchai Bekinyan Lazon Chasno Ubito Ashochano Gimel Shani. So it's not an unusual thing which you find uh, nowadays. Probably many people in Lakewood are in this uh, situation where a father-in-law committed to support his son-in-law and daughter for three years. Al Shochano. That's going to be a key term. He said, "Listen, you guys are going to eat from my table for the next three years. I'm going to take care of. I'm going to take care of you while." You, sweetie, you're in school and your husband is learning in yeshiva and I'm going to take care of things. You guys are going to eat at our table for three years. Now, in the course of the, those three years, Volida betoch hazman. And Baruch Hashem, he has a grandson or a granddaughter within those three years. They have a baby. Im chayv l'ruvein, lazonas bita b'mezonos kalim, kold al shuos kiminak So back in the day, women who were the first month postpartum, they had a special diet. And that was more expensive or was more food than she would normally eat uh, if she wasn't postpartum. So the father says, listen, I agreed to go ahead and support you for three years. I budgeted this amount that you and your husband were going to eat. Now that you're telling me that postpartum, we need this special food. That's more than I, uh, that, that's more than I committed for. I don't have to pay for that. I'm just going to continue to pay the same amount I did before you had the baby. And you guys will have to figure out if you want special food because you're postpartum, you're on your own as far as that. So does the father have the right to go ahead and say that? Again, whether he should say that or not, Shalom bias, that's a whole separate uh, shmuz. That's not for uh, Thursday night, that's maybe Tuesday night. Says it with Shuvaso. And in his answer, um, he says, Ratza Bach Loma, the Bach wanted to say, the, 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 uh, the halach is, the kamobe mischayv lazones, yeah, that just like if, uh, if you go ahead and you take up upon yourself, this is a little bit to what you said, Sachi, uh, up there. It's a little bit like you said, Sachi. He said that the, uh, the halacha, that if a person commits to support somebody else, so if I say that I'm going to pay for your food, it does not include your medication. Food means food. If it's just to, to a friend, so food means food, and food does not mean medication. He does not have to pay for food since he committed to pay for her, his daughter's food. He doesn't have to pay for anything other than what the normal menu would be. Whatever we're serving for dinner, that's what you get. If you want something special, go order it yourself. But you're, you're going to eat what we eat. But then later on in the tshuva, the Bach backpedals. The Kosovin, he says, that's only going to be true when a person makes a generic commitment, I will support you. I will give you food. So if all he says is, I will give you food, then we can differentiate between food and medicine. 
אבל אם היסנה בפירוש לאזון על שולחנו, but in the event that the agreement was he's going to support, you're going to support that person at your table, meaning they're going to eat the same thing that you eat off of your table. So once you add that phrase, al shulchano, then, then you have to provide whatever food she needs. And if she needs special food postpartum, once you add that phrase, al shulchano, that means that's, a, that's another way of saying, I'm going to cover this expense, whatever it happens to be. And therefore, if she becomes ill, he can't say, listen, I'm going to serve the same food that I always serve, and if you don't want it, that's too bad for you. But Ella, rather, he's going to have to go ahead and give her the food which she needs. It's not up to him, it's up to her. No matter what, because once he makes that commitment, so that commitment is now going to be uh, encompassing even the uh, even her medication, and then he goes on and talks a little bit more about that. So, what, but what does it tell just because of time? What does it tell Yisrael say from here? Imkain he says So what we see from the Bach is So the same thing is going to be true with regards to a husband's obligation to to support his wife. It's not just that he has to give her food. But it's clear in the postgame that the food is me'al shulchano from off of his table. So being that the obligation is to support her from his table, therefore, he has to go ahead and provide her with the food which she needs on a daily basis, regardless of whether the food she needs is healthy food or she needs special food because she is sick, because because that's the obligation that the husband takes upon himself that he's going to provide her with her needs and if she has a special diet which is expensive, that's included in his obligation. Once you add that phrase al shochano, that becomes a broadening of the obligation and it's going to include it no matter what. And then we won't read it inside, but the next paragraph, the Tzitz Eliezer says I found another safer which echoes the same idea and then in his conclusion he says the opinion of my good friend of Shomo Zalman, Kibulo Chizuk has been strengthened. And you could go ahead and you could put a nail in it. That's the way we would translate in English, put a nail in it. And we could go ahead and we could pass from this way. That we're going to go ahead and say that if a woman has needs a special diet, because she has a medical condition, that's going to be defined halachically as mezonos rather than refua. And therefore, whatever his obligation in terms of mezonos is going to be, so that he's going to be obligated to, uh, to pay. And uh, it's not going to come out of the refua account. Now, what's interesting, and I'll just leave you with this uh, thought to, to think about, and that is what happens in the event that, if we take that first opinion of the Ramah, that if the woman opts out, she says, any zon any osa, I don't want your mezonos anymore, and I'm going to keep my money for myself. So she's out of luck in terms of mezonos. And then she develops a medical condition which requires special diet. So like, like the Tzitz Eliezer of Shomel Zamar are saying that a special diet is part of mezonos. So that means that she's going to have to pay now for that special diet. Because if it was refua. So just because she doesn't want to have her food from her husband, Rafua, he still has to provide. 
So this will also have a nafkamina, seemingly a nafkamina in that case as well, where she had opted out of mezoros from her husband, and now she has this specialized diet, which is expensive. Is the husband, is that going to remain part of mezoros, and he is now off the hook from that? Or is that part of the refu obligation, and he is going to be obligated to go ahead and pay for that? But that is the... Uh, that is the way uh, the Tzitz Eliezer uh, concludes with of Shobel Zaman. So it seemed to be that in his final analysis, at least for that the specific case, that we would put the uh, the case of a specialized diet into the category of mezonos rather than refu. I, I um yeah I when when I first read special diet, I I took this to mean like you know a bad diet like like uh, like Octavia or something like that. But you're you're talking about a medical diet. A doctor's telling you you have to eat special food. You're not talking about a fad diet. No, not a fad diet. Right. This is going to be where uh, you have whatever medical condition, and you have to uh, you know meet with the nutritionist who goes out and uh, creates a diet for your uh, you know which is appropriate for you, uh, not you, but appropriate for that person given their their medical condition, their current medical condition. You know, it can be a, you know after heart surgery type of thing, right? You know, probably right. lots of cases, or even right. a diabetic. I mean, to... even a diabetic, right? Right, right. Rabbi Sheffel, yeah, you um, you brought up the idea that um, the um, the husband could say that I'm going to take this off of your ketuba. Is that mm-hmm. legit? I mean, if she doesn't agree to it and he says, okay, then I'm going to divorce you, and then it's coming off of there. Is that is that a legitimate? Um, threat to make for him? Like, is he allowed to say this this food or this treatment is coming off of your katumba? Um, so the answer is technically yes. Technically, he could, uh, he could he could get away with that. That goes back to that line which we saw that it's it's not Derek Erisim to do so. Nobody would advise him to uh, to do so. It's not a, it's not a good thing to do. But if a person uh, exercises that, uh, you know, that, uh, that option, uh, can he get away with it? Uh, he, can't, uh, he, he, he can't do so. Because, I mean, I always thought the money in the ketuba is if they part ways. I mean, if they're getting divorced, like that's what I thought the money in the ketuba was. I didn't realize it could be deducted as time goes along. So you could end up with nothing at the time of a divorce. Um, well, he's doing so because he has this option to say that, uh, you know, if you don't agree to that now, then I'm just going to, I'll just divorce you and then you'll be on your own. Well, he could do that anyway. He, he, can't, just... really, he can't really deduct it, but he could, he could sort of twist her arm in order for her to agree. That was the option. He said, either we stay married and it comes out of your pocket or right. we'll, I'll divorce you and it'll come out of your pocket. So it's coming out of your pocket either way. Now, if we stay married, you have the other benefits of, of marriage. If you force me to go ahead and divorce you, so then you've got none of those benefits. So you choose. Right. But he legitimately can deduct it from, like, say she says, well, if I'm put with that choice, I guess I have to take this. But is that, so that is actually a legitimate choice is what you're saying. Halachically. You can say, I'm going to deduct it from your uh, ketubah. In the event that, uh, that that divorce was off the table, that wasn't an option, then he wouldn't be able to just, uh, on his own, start deducting things off for Ksuba. It's only because he has that threat that he could go ahead and he could divorce her and just pay out the Ksuba in one lump sum now, that he could say, if you don't want to do that, then we could stay married, but this is going to come out of that. So then so if it, five years later they get divorced, 
then yeah. she may have nothing at the end. She may get nothing at the end because she used it all up for- Correct, right, right. It's not a retiring asset when, when we're talking about that. I, 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 I apologize, I have to run to Mincha.